Well, here we are again, another episode of the Armchair Managers podcast in what has been probably another quiet week in the football world. I'm Ross Evans here with my co-host Dan Newton. And Dan, what do you make of the week of football? Yeah, like you said, a bit of a quieter one, but, you know, we always enjoy looking at it, analysing it, you know, trying to get stuck into it. Because football, at the end of the day, it's just always good to watch, even when it's pretty boring. Yeah. Sometimes it can be boring, but it's one thing I've said, it's been thick and fast this season that's not slowing up anytime soon. We're in the midst of a Champions League game week, which we will get to where we'll have a little review of Chelsea in their 1-0 win versus the Spanish Burnley Atletico Madrid and look forward to Manchester City taking on Borussia Mönchengladbach later on tonight. But what we're going to start off with is looking at the 20 most exciting teenagers in world football right now according to 442 Magazine. Without further ado, Dan, who have they got at number 20? Well, at number 20, they have Harvey Elliott, obviously, uh, used to be at Fulham, was bought by Liverpool. I think they recently actually paid their compensation for him. Um, yep. But he's currently actually on loan at Blackburn Rovers in the Championship. Yeah, and if you look at his stats in the Championship for Blackburn this season, he's played 25 times, got four goals and nine assists. Um, and if anyone's seen any highlight reels of him so far, at times he's really treating the championship like a playground, didn't he? Yeah, he looks very much like a, a lower league Mo Salah, to be honest. They play in kind of a similar way. Both left-footed, come off uh, you know, the inside of the right wing. And, I mean, I've watched a couple of his goals that I've seen pop up on Twitter, and he does look really talented. And yeah. I think maybe not next year, but um, definitely I could see him getting into that Liverpool front line when you know the most salads and Sadio Mane's do eventually leave yeah and I mean to be able to do it at 17 as well he's just that's ridiculous he's his trickery combined with a direct running style really likes to take on his man and he likes to beat players and he, well, he seems to do it for fun he looks like if he continues to progress he's going to be a really talented player yeah, and he seems to have gotten rid of his really stupid haircut, so um, that that is also a bonus. Yes, that was the one negative of Harvey Elliott. He is one of the, probably had one of the worst football uh, footballers' haircuts. Uh, wasn't a big fan of it. No, no, but I mean, look, he's one of those where you have a haircut like that, you've got to be a good player, and um, he's definitely uh, showing that he's good enough to get away with the bad haircuts. Yeah, well. Perhaps the man at number 19 is the sort of player who'll be able to stop him in the future. Uh, we're looking at a young 18-year-old French centre-back for Bayern Munich in at number 19, uh, Tango Nianzu. Now, I've got to be honest, I don't know much about him. Um, so, 442 have described him as a tall, strong and composed centre-back with incredible passing ability. That sounds promising, and it's just another... T- seemingly talented young French centre-back coming through the ranks of the of the elite footballing clubs. Yeah, I mean, Bayern Munich, you know, are great at recruitment. You know, whether it's buying, you know, ready-made players from the Bundesliga or, you know, developing youth players, I think they've got quite a few prospects that are coming up. And you think, you know, David Alaba is obviously leaving in the season. Does it open the, bo- the door for someone like Nianzu to get maybe a couple more minutes, some more game time? And maybe, again, maybe not break into the first team this season but definitely get his foot into the door and maybe get some more minutes to be more of a squad player for them. Yeah. I'm, you know, it's always interesting to see how young players develop. And as you say, uh, Bayern Munich have fantastic 
um, recruitment policies for young players and young there seems to be a, just a plethora of young players emerging in Germany at the moment I think they've got a focus on youth development within their team I think it's their league rules isn't it that you have to have a certain amount of players in the development side actually in your first team um, so it, it's certainly interesting to see how yeah. the players are going to get on yeah I think I think as well you know in the Bundesliga you know obviously they are wealthy clubs but I think you know you're Bayern Munichs you're Borussia Dortmunds they aren't going to spend the same kind of money as your Barcelona's, your Real Madrid's, your Manchester City's, even your Liverpool's. So yeah. I think for them, it's good to have this kind of youth setup where they don't have to go out and spend, you know, a hundred million on a centre back to keep competing. You know, they can have these youth prospects come through. Yeah. So we'll move on now, though, to another attacking player who may cause him problems. Uh, we look at. Kangin Lee, an attacking midfielder from Valencia. He's only 19, in at number 18. Um, I, I think we've, I've come across this guy a few times now. He's, you know, he's been in Valencia's first team for a couple of seasons, and statistically, I've got to be honest, I'm surprised to see him as high on this list. Um, in the, to be in the top 20, we should explain that this list is we've cut off. Top twenty out of a top fifty list, and I'm a little surprised to see him as high. He certainly doesn't have the same level of contribution to um, a team as some of the other players do. Yeah, I, he's playing in kind of a more difficult league as well, though. Then you think like Harvey yeah. Elliott, you know, he's in the Championship. The Championship is nowhere near the level of, you know, the the La Liga. You know. Yeah, um, he. You know, he made 17 appearances for them last season, scored two goals. And this season, he's made 16 appearances and has four assists, as well as one in the Copa del Rey. Um, one goal, that is. So, I've not seen him as involved, but I think, is he perhaps playing a slightly deeper role? Um, as maybe a deep-lying playmaker rather than sort of in that number 10 role that we kind of... Um, we kind of associate with an attacking midfielder. Yeah, potentially. Are, are Valencia having the best of seasons right now? I'm, I'm sort of unfamiliar with how they've got on this year. I'm trying to look I it thought... up now. Yeah, see, Valencia are down in like 12th. So I, I think part of it is their maybe the team as a whole isn't performing that well. And he's yeah. kind of, you know, as a young player, it can be difficult to really shine in a team that's not playing as well. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to go to four four two's description that they think he may well end up in a number eight position, which, as we say, is a, a slightly deeper midfielder midfield position. And certainly, it does seem with his passing ability, he does possess that might be a better role for him. So, I guess the stats don't really tell the whole story with uh, Kangin Lee. Yeah, and again, you know, with with these young players, it can be difficult to be super consistent. That's maybe you know he has like one or two amazing games and then drops off a little bit. You know, that's what can easily happen. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully we won't see that with the next attacking player on our list. Number 17, he's recently moved to the Premier League with Manchester United and that United fans are raving about him. Uh, Mad Diallo recently arrived from Atalanta. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, Manchester United played a, a lot of money for him. So you kind of hope that he's going to be a good player. Um, yeah. But no, you know, for the last transfer window, I think a lot of it was, will Manchester United get a right winger? Will they get Jane Sancho? 
No, they won't, but they will get Armand Diallo, who's definitely a younger a younger player, and um, yeah, you know, hasn't really broken into the first team yet. I think he maybe no. made his debut the other week as a sub. I think I'm right in saying yeah. that. But um, he's been playing for the under twenty threes. Sorry. Yeah. One appearance in the Champions League, one appearance in Serie A, and one appearance in the Europa League, um, and then two appearances in the Premier League too, where he scored three goals and got three assists. Yeah, I was about to say that. You know, in the under 23s he's done really well, and yeah. um, it's definitely one that you think sort of towards the back end of the season maybe he'll get some more minutes as he kind of gets more involved with the Manchester United first team. But yeah, no, again, he, I think he from the little you know highlights I've seen of him. He does look a very technically gifted player and a really solid addition for the next couple of years. Yeah, and as you mentioned with United trying to recruit Sancho um, and failing in that attempt, you know, it seems that they may have a player who can step up and fill those boots. We just got to hope that, I think for his sake, that United kind of try not to buy in a ready-made raring to go right mid who go straight into the first team because I think that might actually hinder him um, you see with players who are ad more advanced in their development that when they that if they can't break into the first team they kind of stagnate a bit so we've just got to hope that that doesn't happen with this lad yeah I think so but to be honest I don't think there's much danger of that right now I think if Manchester United were going to go get a right winger they would have got Jane Sancho already um, Yeah, and I think they've maybe made the choice that they don't want to spend 120 million or whatever it was the fee that was rumored and instead yeah. gone for something cheaper still expensive but um you know for someone who's going to develop and be their right winger for maybe even the next 10 years if everything goes right yeah uh and you will move on now to number 16 who have we got then uh jamala musiala i believe i'm pronouncing that correctly uh, another Bayern Munich player who I think uh, just today announced that he's going to be playing for Germany rather than the English national team, which, yeah. while potentially bad for England, kind of makes sense. I think he's spent most of his life in Germany, played for both yeah. England and Germany youth teams, so you can't really say that England are missing out on someone. It just sounds like he is German, so he's going to play for Germany. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think he actually scored um, in the last Champions League match against Lazio as well. Yeah, I think he has got one score, one last night. I think it was the third goal for uh, Bayern Munich. Um, I mean, they just, on a side note, they absolutely destroyed Lazio um, last night and they didn't really look like they kicked out of second gear for most of the game. Yeah, no, they, they looked really good. Um, again, Musiala, he's only 17. He's an attacking midfielder. Um, I think he used to actually um, be at Chelsea. Um, yes, he gra graduated from Chelsea's youth academy. Yeah, and now he's kind of again at Bayern Munich, and you feel we've seen a lot of young uh, players doing that now, where they're leaving these kind of Premier League academies to move to the Bundesliga because they're going to get more game time, and it seems like they're yeah. developing much better over there. So uh, yeah, yeah, you can't really blame him, and it's clearly working out for him. And again, at just seventeen and already kind of getting minutes in the first team, you got to think that he's going to be a real staff for the future yeah and already he's got three goals and 16 appearances for Bayern Munich so he's, he's holding his own there as well um, and I think that is I think that's a blow for England as well that he's decided to declare for, Germ for Germany um, yeah I think that's a real shame that England are going to miss out on him because he does look like a talented player 
Yeah, it's, it's bad from a footballing point of view for England, but I always think of international football like it's all such a mess anyway. Like Meza should have been playing for Turkey, so it's yeah, you know, it happens to all the countries, I think. Yeah. Um. Well, we'll move on. Maybe that's a argument and discussion for another time. But move on <laughs> to number fifteen. And as when we were doing a bit of research beforehand, I was really surprised to see this man at number fifteen. That's Fabio Silva at Wolves. Um, I'm judging on what I've seen in this season for Wolves. He doesn't look like the player they thought they were going to get. Um, and perhaps he's just struggling to adapt to the Premier League, having come out come over from Portugal. But I'm really surprised to see Fabio Silva this high up the list. Yeah, I, I think they maybe put him here based off of what he was doing before he was at Wolves. Because I know he was rated as a really high prospect. And I think kind of the way Wolves play maybe doesn't suit him as well. He's more of, I think, a technical kind of skillful dribbler. He's kind of quick on his feet and can go past people. Whereas right now he's kind of having to play as more of a target man because of Raul Jimenez's injury. I think potentially as a front two, if you had Jimenez alongside him, he could see you know a lot more from him. But um, yeah, yeah, I think I think he's kind of been thrown in the deep end and hasn't worked out for him as well as you would have hoped right now. But uh, I think it's way too early to say that he's not gonna you know live up to the potentially showed before that. Yeah, I mean, I think Ryan at eight Nori, who's at Wolves as well, has shown um, better potential than him at Wolves but as you say that might be that for Ain't Nori the system kind of fits better yeah, for him being, being a, a wing back compared to a striker you know Wolves system kind of needs a larger physical presence up top um, and Fabio Silva definitely isn't that but certainly of, even on the ball when he has had chances he's not taking them and I, I'm not I'm surprised to see him this high up to be honest yeah I think he's one of those players where if he was coming off the bench for like Manchester City or something like that he would look a lot better because he kind of I think he would fit that style of play more being more of a technical yeah. player but you know we'll wait and see I, I think you know we always see a lot of players kind of start really brightly and then fizzle, that fizzle out across their careers but I think it could yeah. be a case that maybe he's not at the right club right now but we'll yeah. wait and see yeah and with that we'll move on to number 14 again we'll have to caveat this one with I've not heard of this player uh Mohamed Ihataran Ihataran I think that's his name um he's a right winger who plays for PSV Eindhoven in the uh Dutch Eredivisie um again we'll have to go I don't know if you've heard much about him Dan uh I've mostly heard of him on Football Manager I'll be honest um <laughs> but no um from, from what I've you know since you know seeing on Football Manager and hearing about him here I've had looked into him a little bit and um, he's very much in the kind of the ZH kind of mould, you know, of like a skillful winger and kind of come inside. Yeah. And, you know, he's quite tall, I think, actually, um, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think he's doing well in uh, the Eredivisie and PSV is, as a club are doing well. And I think he's a big part of that. Um, you know, I think they're pushing Ajax all the way this year. If I think I'm correct in saying yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I, I, to be honest, it doesn't surprise me. It's uh, the Eredivisie is to be honest I, I consider it maybe a bit of a three league club uh, Ajax, PSV and Feyenoord you never really sort of hear of anyone else yeah but I think Ajax recently anyway have been so much better than everyone else that I think they're only like six points behind them right now PSG so yeah. I think it's good for them to be able to 
compete and actually, you know, maybe push a title race towards the end of the season. Mm. Yeah. Well, with that, we'll move on to number 13, where we go to uh, the French League One, where Ryan Shirky has uh, found his way onto the list. Another attacking midfielder playing for Olympic Lyon. Um, he has 16 appearances for Lyon this season. No goal contributions, but he's very highly rated. Yeah, and again, a bit like PSV, Lyon are having a great season in the context of the league. I think they're right up there. I think even in second place. Yeah, second. Only um three points behind uh, the leaders. So, you know, I think it's the fact that he's getting that many appearances in what's arguably the best season, you know, that Leon have had in a very long time kind of shows how good he is and how highly rated he is, that he's still getting those opportunities yeah. when they're having to be so consistent at the, at the highest level. Yeah. You know, he, he appears to have incredible control of the ball and his positioning seems, to, from what I've you know, there's little research on he knows how to position himself to avoid pressure and getting out of those situations. So, you know, he certainly seems like a technically gifted player. Um, I'd be interested to see how many key passes he's got. It's not a stat we have access to, but the sort of key pass slash sort of hockey assist would be an interesting one to see. So I imagine he's a player we would probably see playing some exceptional balls in the build-up for goals. Yeah, potentially, yeah. I'll be, like I said, I'll be honest, I don't know an awful lot about him. I've only really heard of him. But again, age 17 and be playing that regularly at 17 again, it's really impressive. You want, kind of yeah. wonder how good it'll be when he's sort of 18, 19. He gets another two years of development under his belt. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to number 12, where we have Renier at Borussia Dortmund. He's currently on loan from Real Madrid, so he's already got two big names on his... Uh, career um real madrid paid 30 million euros uh for him from flamengo um before loaning him out and again it's not a player i've seen too much of but another player was seeing good technical ability brilliant ball control and you know, real intelligence in his part you know in the passes he plays yeah again it's one of those where it's a lot of money for a young player um, you know, 30 million euros is nothing to be sniffed at. And it's kind of the theme yeah. of this episode is, you know, a lot of clubs are putting more money into youth players instead of going out and yeah. buying the ready-made ones. Um, but yeah, yeah. no, he, again, he he looks good from the little highlight clips I've seen of him. Um, yeah. I, I think he's actually on loan at Dortmund for two years, I think. I think it was one of those, like, two-season loans. So um, yeah. he's got plenty of time to develop there kind of away from the spotlight of Real Madrid, which I think is really good. And, you know, yeah. Dortmund are fantastically well-known for developing young players. So you think yeah. if he doesn't succeed at that place, at, those, at that club, then he's kind of a worry. But um, I'm sure he will. At least I hope yeah. he will. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Real Madrid have got a habit of picking up young players from Brazil over the last couple of seasons. We've seen that of Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo. So... You know, to see another one succeed would be incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with that, we'll move on to number 11, to another Brazilian, back to the Premier League with Gabriel Martinelli, who I'd thought maybe a little bit higher than 11, personally, in terms of his ability on the ball. Um, what he's actually brought to the Arsenal team, he's when he's played, when he's been fit, um, he looks like one of Arsenal's best players. 
Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there with when he's been fit. I think that's maybe been the issue and maybe why he isn't higher up this list is he's had those issues of injury and hasn't yeah. really been able to be consistent enough um, across the season. Um, but no, I, I do agree. I think he is a fantastic player, a real great talent among a couple of young Arsenal players that are kind of showing up their older, probably better paid um, teammates. Yeah, um, yeah. But no, he he's definitely, he looks really good. I think everyone kind of enjoys watching him. He's one of those players where he'll really yeah. get you off your seat when you see him kind of go past players. And he's yeah. got, I think it'll be interesting to see whether he ends up as a left winger or he even becomes a striker. He, he is very much kind of similar to a Bamiyang in that sense. But um, yeah, yeah. I think I think though being at Arsenal is really good for him because he's he'll have less pressure to succeed on him and can really kind of develop well there. I think. Yeah, he's um incredibly talented player and so just got hope he stays fit. Unfortunately, when you play in the way he does, with you know full of trickery while also driving at his fullback, it does tend to lead to you know teams doubling up on him. He gets fouled a lot, and that of course can lead to more injuries, um, particularly at the speed he does it all that. So you know we've got to just hope he's it's, his career doesn't get hindered by injuries. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you hope that the kind of the worst is behind him. He can kind of get a couple of years without any major injuries and really yeah. kind of develop. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they'll move on to into the top ten now. So apparently, this is the ten most exciting teenagers in world football. Um, you know, there's a couple already. I thought Martinelli would have been in the top ten. So I'm interested interested to see who they've got in here. Um, kind of if we agree with them um again some of these players we will caveat again as we have the uh previous ted there's a couple we may not have heard of so if you are on twitter you can interact with us and tell us what you think of these players if we don't know them let us know the our handle will be in the description of this podcast so anyway dan who have we got at number 10 we have uh, Kubo, who is on loan at Katafi from Real Madrid. Uh, I believe he's kind of a attacking midfielder, maybe right winger. Kind yeah. of plays that kind of role as a, a very creative player, good on the ball, good dribbler. And um, I'll be honest, I, I only kind of, again I only knew him from Football Manager um, before, <laughs> before we did this list. Um, he's really good on that, by the way. Um, but uh, reading about his origins, he's got a, a bizarre history. You know, he was at Barcelona for a while, yeah. and then they, he, he apparently they'd broken the international transfer rules to sign him, so then he went back to Japan. But now he's been bought by Real Madrid, and now he's going out loan to La Liga. So definitely yeah. one that if he does become a really good player, he'd definitely be a, a spicy one if he ever plays for Real Madrid against Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, and you know, he seems to be a great technical dribbler, and again, speedy, very quick. Um, he made 35 appearances in La Liga last season with four goals and five assists. He's he's kind of slowed down a bit this season, though. He's on 21 La Liga appearances with no goal contributions. Um, he does, however, have a red card for two yellows. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, again, bit of a bit of a slower season. Yeah, but to be fair, he's only 19. I think we actually look at the amount of kind of games he's played and the amount of minutes he's had or sorry not minutes but the amount of clubs he's been at he's definitely got a lot of experience for such yeah. a young player 
Yeah, and you know he plays. He's playing for Getafe at the moment on loan from Real Madrid, and they're fifteenth in La Liga. They've lost their last four, so perhaps this again it's a case statistics don't quite tell the whole story. But you know, perhaps hoping that a player of his talent would have helped get lift Getafe's attacking ability a bit more. Yeah, potentially. So now we'll move on to number nine. Back in England with Manchester United and another right winger competing with Ahmad Diallo. We've got Mason Greenwood. Yeah, uh, he's been good for United. Uh, I think definitely he's broken into the first team maybe quicker than they expected. For me personally, yeah. I, I actually don't fancy him as a right winger. I think he'd be better as a striker. I think that's probably where he'll yeah. end up. Maybe with him as a striker, Rash on the left, Diallo on the right. I think that could be a really... Yeah exciting front three which again could last the next 10 years united yeah i mean a goal and assist in the premier league this season um he, he's struggling a bit this season but we do under we do believe there's been some personal issues going on behind closed doors that affected his football so but i mean he's got an uncanny ability to hit the target isn't he yeah he's a great finisher and He's one of those players where he's clearly got an awful lot of ability. It's just kind of how you use that ability in the best possible way. Yeah. And um, yeah. personally, I, I think he's a really exciting player and it's definitely someone I, I look forward to watching when I watch United. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 19 goals and five assists in 51 appearances last season across all competitions, including the Premier League too. Um, you know, he, he certainly doesn't look afraid of playing at the top level and he you know he's not just sort of one of these young players you throw in for a bit of excitement he, he is i think you know he's capable of playing in the premier league and you know he's got the talent to do it yeah yeah definitely i think you know again united are probably surprised by how good he's been but they'll definitely yeah. you know, be grateful and you think you united you know cavani's only going to be there for maybe a year or two martial's not having the best season he's always getting older could definitely see him yeah. getting that breakthrough at striker. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think learning from he'll learn a lot from someone like Cavani as well, who I think has been one of the most underrated strikers in the last ten years. Yeah, he's I agree. Been, he's phenomenal, and certainly has been in was in France and Italy, and you know he's showing he's a great goal scorer for United so far. Um, who have we got at number eight then? We have uh, Bakayo Saka who I think I'm right in saying is probably the inspiration behind this episode. I think we both watched him play in the last yeah. match and kind of thought that we should have another look at some of the young prospects because he is sensational. Yeah, and I'm really excited to see who's going to be further up this list if Saka's only just in the top 10 because, the, again, behind, excluding Martinelli, because like we say, if Martinelli was fit, he'd probably play more and he would be the best player. Saka has been Arsenal's best player. He's been so consistent when he's been playing for them. Yeah, he's easily the best player in that team, I think. Um, he's very versatile as well. He can play on the right wing, play on the left wing, play left back if he has to. You know, he's yeah. he's, he's a really you know good player and really exciting for Arsenal and England. Yeah, he you know five goals and three three assists in the Premier League this season, which again doesn't tell the the whole story. He's played left wing and left back. You know, left mid, centre mid. He's apparently had four appearances at centre mid. Eleven on the right, seven on the left, two at left back. Well, I mean, he's so versatile as well, and he's performed really well at each position. Yeah, again, like you said, he's been incredibly consistent. 
and he, it's not just that he's playing well it's that he's playing well wherever he plays whenever he plays i think arsenal really need that i think if they didn't have him they'd be really struggling this season yeah yeah he, he's certainly been the inspiration for some of their best moments isn't he yeah yeah absolutely um definitely you know the creative player that they needed yeah um We'll have to see how Arsenal's recruitment goes in the summer and see if they sort of look to build their team around him rather than trying to just bring in some depth in his position because as maybe someone to start above him. You know, some teams they kind of look to say, oh, he's young, so we'll bring in someone more experienced, but I don't see why you do that with him. No, no, I think he, you know, he's one of those players where he's ready to be kind of a, their best player. And play kind of as much for them as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll move on to number sevens. We've got Eduardo Camavinga at Stad Rene. Um, it's an interesting one. He's certainly a very talented midfielder, isn't he? Yeah, he's brilliant. Um, every time I see him play, I'm very impressed. Uh, you know, he's a real dominant midfielder, which for someone so young yeah. is really impressive. And you kind of look at him yeah. and that he's even getting in that kind of France midfield is incredible with the amount of quality players they have. Yeah, um, you know, scoring a bicycle kick on his international debut, man of the match performance against PSG, he is going to be, I think, quite a force. Yeah, definitely. He's, you know, he's one of those players who's kind of got a little bit of everything. Um, he's a little bit kind of like Paul Pogba. If Paul Pogba was maybe a little yeah. bit rounded, but a similar kind of build. And yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you, you imagine that he won't be at Stade Rennais for much longer. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't imagine we're going to see one of these sort of top European sides uh, swoop in for him pretty soon. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, he got them into the Champions League, didn't he? Yes, I believe so. It was certainly a big, a key factor in getting them there. Yeah, yeah. Which he kind of just shows how he can kind of dominate individual games, and yeah. his whole team is kind of go through him right now. Yeah. Um, will we perhaps see him partner on number six in this list? Um, Ryan Gravenberg, an 18-year-old from Ajax, who, you know, capable of playing sort of any any midfield position in behind the striker in a number 10 or the bit deeper in a number eight or number six role. Um, again, not too well known, I think it's fair to say, between the two of us. But certainly, you know, highly regarded Ajax. Yeah, again, I know him for football manager. That's what I'll say for most of these players. Um, but no, like you said, he's a very kind of versatile player. And again, he's at the perfect club to develop in um, Ajax. He's getting good minutes. Yeah. He's been able to kind of express himself. And you kind of think maybe another season there and then he'll get a really huge move to one of the real big elite clubs. Yeah, I mean, for Ajax this season, he's played... Uh, majority sort of in the deep lying centre midfield role, sort of defensive midfield, slightly more advanced position. Certainly not in that attacking midfielder role, and still managed to contribute um, two goals and four assists in the air division. So you know, certainly a player who gets involved, um, and I think he's going to be another player to add to the list of top talents that Ajax have produced because they've got a history of doing it. You know, we see Delict De and Frankie De Jong. Um, Van der Beek, despite being 
treated like shit at Manchester United. Yeah, I was, I was going to mention that. You know, you kind of hope that he doesn't end up in the Van der Beek situation where he kind of moves to yep. the club and then doesn't really get given a, a fair opportunity. So maybe it's, it's kind of worth staying at Ajax for maybe a year longer than he might have originally wanted to. Yeah, yeah, so just to develop a little bit more. And I, th- I think European competition is where he'll do most of his development now. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, we'll move on to number five, where we have the American Giovanni Reyna. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's actually born in England, but um, has, you know, declared for the US, I think, and has played yeah. for their um, first team. Again, he's never excited player at Dortmund's very young player but i think he's scored some incredible goals already from what i've seen of him yeah yeah and he plays in a youthful dortmund attack as well doesn't he you know with sancho and harland you know it's a young attack but they've got the experience of uh someone like marco royce in behind them and you know that and with some having someone with royce's ability behind you and able to learn from him that must be incredible for him yeah definitely it can, it can only help him you kind of just hope that Dortmund can kind of keep their young players together for as long as possible. Um, but you do kind of get the sense that clubs going to come in for Haaland, Sancho, and probably Reyna within the next couple of years as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, it's a name I don't know too much about. I'm going off what I've seen very little of. So it'd be interesting to keep an eye on his development and pay a bit more close attention to him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but speaking of a attacking midfielder, I have been able to keep a very close eye on number four is Curtis Jones for Liverpool. Now, C- Jones looks like a, you know one of lo- he's been one of Liverpool's top players this season. I think it has to be said he's been one of the best performers. Yeah, definitely, he's been probably the one kind of highlight for them this year is just how well yeah. he's played and how well he's continued to develop. Kind of one of those kind of all-round midfielders. I know he is more of an attacking midfielder, but he can definitely do yeah. the kind of defensive side that Klopp needs him to. And you kind of yeah. think, it, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that Liverpool didn't have more injuries in midfield instead of defence, because you kind of feel like he yeah. could definitely step up more than you know your Reese Williams at the back can. Um, yeah, no, he's been a real good player for Liverpool. Yeah, you know he's. He's chipped in with goals and assists. I think, you know, his debut, he scored a, a sublime curling goal against Everton in, I believe, the FA Cup to win the tie. Yeah, I mean, was what, a place, what a place to do it. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's perfect for him to kind of make his debut like yeah. that. And I think, you know, you mentioned Liverpool's injuries at centre-half. Um, I actually think that still sort of benefited him to an extent with Fabinho and Henderson having to go and play at centre-back. That's given him slightly more opportunity in the midfield because um, take you know because he can fit into that position. But certainly there are other players who perhaps are more uh, a better option in that holding midfield role, which has allowed him to play in that slightly more advanced role that we've seen him play. You know, yeah, he yeah. also seems... He's also seems to be adept at playing on the left-hand side of midfield on the wing. So, um, you know, he's versatile as well, which I think is a great benefit to Liverpool. Yeah, I think I think for young players as well, being versatile is really good because it ensures you kind of get minutes anywhere. I think of yeah. you know Bukayo Saka we mentioned earlier. One of the reasons he's been able to develop so well is because you know he started at left back. He isn't a left back, yeah. but he was able to fill in there 
And then once he kind of established himself, he got opportunities in his correct position. It's kind of the same for Curtis Jones, I think. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, And we'll just have to keep an eye on him. I think he's going to be an incredibly good player. Do I think he's going to be on the level of Gerrard or you know, a Lampard, you know, he sort of certainly plays in that same position. I'm not too sure just yet, but I think he is going to be a key player. Yeah, I think just, it's far yeah. too early to make those kind of comparisons and, you know, uh, the Gerrards and people like that come along very rarely. I think if yeah. he was, you know, half the player Gerrard is, it would be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But we'll move on now into the top three. Um, it's getting tight. Some of them, we seem some, you know, talented players just in, the top 10 um i'll be interested to see who they've got so we'll start from number three and we go to barcelona with pedri yeah um from what i've seen of him he looks like a really exciting player um again a bit like curtis jones at liverpool he's probably been one of the bright sparks at barcelona in kind of their rebuild and you kind of think he's going to be a big part of their future yeah you know barca are to say it feels odd to say that a top four finish or a top four position is struggling, but you know it's they are more eight points behind league leaders, Spanish Burnley, Atletico Madrid. Um, yeah, Barca, I, I don't think Barcelona are doing uh, terribly. I just think that yeah. you know it's more their issues off the field that are um, causing them problems with all the financial yeah. stuff that's going on and. Speaking of financials, I think they only paid like five million euros for him, so he's a very rare bargain uh, these days. Yeah. So I think definitely is one for the future, and one kind of Barcelona can maybe it's a bit early to say build a team around, but definitely put a lot of focus onto him. Yeah, I mean, he's up there with the you know he's up there in terms of goal scoring, up there with you know Coutinho and De Jong. Um, so he's you know he's showing he can perform at the same similar levels to some of their other you know big names but certainly you know in terms of what he does on the ball as well he's i think he's going to be a very good player yeah it's always a real high pressure uh, club to play for barcelona the fact that he's you know getting minutes and performing well under it i know there's no fans in the stadium but he's still there's still always that pressure on you and it's a real good sign that he's yeah. been able to do that at you know such a young age. Yeah, you know, 19 appearances in attacking midfield for Barcelona when you're a teenager. That's that's nothing to be sniffed at. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Um, so who beats him out of second place? So we're looking at the Englishman, Birmingham City icon Jude Bellingham. <laughs> So they've retired his number, they're building a statue for him, they named the stadium after him. <laughs> yeah. well, how, how far are they going to take it? Um, they're going to put his face on the badge. <laughs> no, he's, jokes aside, he was fantastic for Birmingham in the championship, especially so young, yeah. you know, he's still only 17. And going to somewhere like Borussia Dortmund is a fantastic move. And he's, you know, definitely going to be able to develop there. Yeah, yeah, he is going to be so exciting for England fans to see that this guy is making appearances for Dortmund um, and he's playing well he is a really talented lad 
Yeah, and again, kind of like a lot of players you mentioned, he has that kind of versatility where he can kind of play all across the midfield, you know, even out on the wing. Yeah. And it'd be really interesting to see where he actually ends up. Um, I think maybe more as like a box-to-box midfielder from what I've seen of him. Because he's kind of, he's so yeah. talented going forward and, and defensively, you kind of feel like you're wasting him if you kind of pigeonhole him into just one of those positions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 18 appearances for Dortmund this season in the Bundesliga, three goals, one in the Champions League and an assist in the DFB Pokal as well. You know, he's from from central midfield. I think, you know, that is some promising stats and he's only going to get better. You know, again, as we say, in a youthful Dortmund side and, you know, he's playing players like Axel Witzel who plays a similar position who he can learn from. Um, You know, that can only be a benefit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you you think that he's going to be in and around the England squad for the next you know, 10, 15 years. Like, that's how good he is. He should be, you know, in that squad and competing at the highest level for a very long time. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see who's beat him to the number one spot. Dan, can you reveal who 442 have ranked as their most exciting teenager? Well, it's another Barcelona player. And it is Ansu Fati, the uh, incredibly talented left winger, who I think has really just gone up another level this year. I don't know about you, but every time I see him play, I just think, yeah. how is that guy 18? You know, he, yeah. he looks incredible. A, a teenager, he's, you know, he's voted like La Liga Player of the Month. He is third top scorer for Barca behind um, only Griezmann and Messi in terms of goals. Um Slightly less on the assists, where it's Messi, Griezmann, and Dembele. But, you know, he's got goals per 90, is only beaten by Messi, which you'd expect. You know, you, come on, look at the other names in Barca Messi is astronomical. Griezmann, Dembele, Coutinho, De Jong, and he's above all of them. And he's doing it at 18 years old. That is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, he's a ridiculous player. Um, he kind of reminds you a lot of like those left wingers right now. You kind of think like Sadio Mane at Liverpool, uh, to, you know Thierry yeah. Henry at Arsenal back in the day. He's really an exciting player to watch. And uh, well, I mean actually Thierry Henry played for Barcelona, didn't he? So he's yes. definitely in in that kind of mould of a player. And uh, a lot like Pedri earlier, definitely two bright players for Barcelona to build their team around. Yeah, he you know he's I think those two are going to be bedrock of Barcelona's rebuild I think um, you know their their recruitment ability that they have just they can their name pulls star power and I think if you build around these two and bring in the right players we'll see Barca sort of back on top yeah I think so especially because Barcelona like I said don't have a lot of money to spend right now they really do no. have to uh, trust their younger players to carry them through yeah, and I think this man probably is going to be one of those players to do it, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, you'd hope so. Yeah. Well, there you have it. There's the top 20 most exciting teenagers as ranked by 442.com. If you want to see the full list, you can check that out on their website. Where it's the top 50. Let us know. Is there any players that you thought should have been in that list on Twitter? As we said earlier, our Twitter handle will be in the description of this podcast. Right, so what we'll do now is going to move on. We, you know, we're in the middle of a Champions League game week. It's nice to have the Champions League back, isn't it? Yeah, I always look forward to it. It's always 
I think you know excite more exciting than just watching the Premier League teams. You know, seeing yeah. the, the different styles go up against each other is always always a good watch. Yeah, and we saw last night we saw Chelsea take on Atletico Madrid, who uh, Dan and as we were getting ready for this podcast coined as the Spanish Burnley. Um, yeah, it was trending on Twitter before. I, I, I won't take the full credit for it. But, uh... well, well, we'll spread it out to the Twitterverse. They can take. They can take the take the rain on that one then. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, Chelsea winning from a sensational goal from Olivier Giroud. Yeah, it was uh, brilliant. You know, you kind of when you do play against teams that are really good defensively, you need those moments of magic. And Giroud's kind of built a career off of doing those things. He's definitely one of my favourite players to watch. I think he yeah. probably has the greatest goal reel in history, um, to be yeah. honest, of how many good goals he scored. And he's kind of showing that, you know, Chelsea have a lot of talented players, but they always seem to fall back on Giroud when they really, you know, need to get, you know, someone needs to get them yeah. out of trouble. Yeah, Mr. Dependable, I think. Um, there was an amazing moment besides Giroud's uh, goal, just after it, is that VAR came to a correct decision. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't see how Atletico can have too much to complain about. Not only with the VAR decision, but in the game, you know, they barely had the ball, they were sat back. I don't think they really put Chelsea under too much pressure. You know, the most dangerous thing they did was Luis Suarez being a shithouse. Yeah, yeah. But again, though, you know, they're one of those teams that they kind of play like that and then they kind of just pop up and put two goals past you and suddenly you're out of the Champions League even though you feel like you've dominated a game. Um, so Would you, you know, be referencing any certain game? Uh, you know, I mean, who did they knock out last year? Um, oh, God. Did they knock someone out last year? Don't, don't remember that. <laughs> Yeah, they beat the a team that had a really long home record, which ended and has ended again since then. Um, oh, did they? Did they? No idea. Um, no, no, they they are a good team, Atletico Madrid. I think maybe didn't yeah. quite execute their their game plan as well as they would have liked to. Um, yeah. But at one nil, it's still all to play for in the next leg. Yeah. Yeah, do you think Chelsea have enough about them under Tuchel now to see to sort of see Atletico off? I mean, they, Chelsea do look a lot better. They do, but you know, I think it's still early days with them. Um, you know, they they need to show that kind of consistency over several weeks. I think before we can say that you know they've got them playing the Tuchel way, and like I said, Atletico Madrid are, are tricky to play against, and I think it would be great if Chelsea get through, but um, I think it's still too close to call right now. Yeah. Well, we'll be looking forward to see that game in a couple of weeks' time. But tonight we've also got Manchester City taking on Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, I'd say predict this, but I imagine it's with the way City are playing, it's kind of one-way traffic. Yeah, it's pr- probably how many City you're going to get would be what you're trying to predict. Yeah. Um, no disrespect to Mönchengladbach, but um, Manchester City are one of the strongest teams in the world right now I think on form and yeah. as well as they're doing um, much glad back that is don't think they're quite um, at the level to compete against Man City right now no I mean was it City versus Arsenal where City scored in what two minutes and then just it almost went into training mode it was just oh, I'll just keep the ball don't need to worry about this we've got a 
Champions League of the week. Arsenal aren't going to do much. Let's just chill out. You know, and Arsenal, even that, when City seems to take their foot off the gas, just didn't, no one looked like getting near them. Yeah, that's kind of the scary thing about them is not only are they so brilliant going forward, but they can just sit back and take on all the pressure. Like they couldn't, they couldn't yeah. used to be able to do it, but now they're, you know, amazing going forward and amazing at the back. I, I think, yeah. you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Man City went at least to the final. I think maybe a, a you know, a Bayern Munich could stop them, but other than that, yeah. I think it's, you know, Man City are one of the favourites. Yeah, I think they have to be this season, don't they? It's frightening. Um, you know, the, the imperious form of Ruben Diaz and John Stones at the back. You know, name any one of their attackers. They're on top form. Um, you know, Fernandinho moving back into midfield, I think, is a really good move for City. Rodri's yeah, yeah. looking a bit better in that holding midfield position. Uh, I, I mean, you can't think of a single position. You know, oh, João Cancelo in great form. Some, you know, if he gets an injury, who they're going to bring in? Oh, Carl Walker. You know, it's not a bad sub. Yeah, I mean, the only issue they have is maybe at left back, but again, yeah. they can kind of cover for that with how good yeah. everyone else is. Yeah, you know, he's, even Jao Cancelo can go out and play there and have Carl Walker at right back. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, obviously you think Ben Mendy or Zinchenko a bit weak out in that position. Yeah. But, you know, they're a team that can strengthen there rather easily. I wonder if they, a bit of a tangent, I wonder if they might go out and get like a Bukayo Saka or someone like that. He obviously is, you know, an attacking midfielder and a more attacking player, but could fill in that left-back role if they needed it. And I think yeah. it would be perfect for Guardiola's system. I mean, more of an ageing player, but someone I could think, due to his versatility, could play there. I say ageing, I think he's 28. Uh, David Alaba is going to be leaving Bayern at the end of the season. And, you know, I think he could do a re- he would be perfect. He's a player that Pep's worked with before, so he knows what he's like. He's versatile, but, you know, he can play left-back, centre-back. He play, he's played at attacking midfield for Austria. So I, I wouldn't be too surprised to see them make that move. Yeah, I think he's been more linked to somewhere in Spain. But um, yeah. I do, I do think on paper it would make sense for Man City to go and get him. Yeah, it's certainly City. Just uh, City could win the lot this season. Yeah, yeah, they're a frighteningly good team. Yeah, um, this is you know they had a little hiccup at the beginning of the season, but got if they started in the form they are now, God knows where they would have been. Yeah, they'd be, they'd be miles ahead if they did. Yeah, I mean, they're already miles ahead of, you know, of a lot of the Premier League already. And speaking of some of those title contenders, got four of them in action at the weekend. And we're starting off with Leicester versus Arsenal. Um, Leicester have been, you know, I think Leicester is synonymous of being underrated now, aren't they? Yeah, they've been a very good team. Obviously, you know, beat Liverpool the other week. I've been oh, did they? Didn't notice that. <laughs> I wasn't even bringing that up to annoy you. I was just mentioning it. That that one wasn't that one was an accident. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, no, it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> no, I mean Leicester have been really good lately. It's no shame in losing yeah. to them. Um, but uh, you know Arsenal are always improving. Again, they've got so many talented yeah. young players. But I do think it's difficult to look past Leicester. To be honest, I think yeah. they should win it. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I would agree, I think, a 2-1 to Leicester. I think it'll be tight. Um, but, you know, we've seen from Leicester they're more than capable of just of sitting back and defending and breaking on the counter. Um, and, well, as you look at their attacking players, should they try a slightly more expansive style? Harvey Barnes is in great form. Jamie Vardy's back. Uh, James Madison is playing really well. You know, okay, James Justin, unfortunately, is out injured. Um, but, you know, they've got Ricardo Pereira who can fill in there. And he's just as, you know, we know he's a capable fullback. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think Leicester are well on course for top four this year, barring yeah, any yeah. kind of collapse like last year. Yeah. What what score are you going for? Um, I, I think I'll say 2-1 to Leicester, I think. Yeah, yeah, we're in agreement on that one, which on our current form probably means that Arsenal will win 3-0. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Arsenal, as we say, improving, but you know, I still think there's a couple of issues that they need to address before they're back, sort of in there where Arsenal should be. You know, to me, Arsenal was still a top four side, and they've been off the pace for a while. And you know, we've seen that the same sort of thing happen with Manchester United and Liverpool, where they performed well and then they sort of collapse and they slowly have a rebuild. Arsenal's yeah, rebuild yeah. Is, is a bit slower than those um, because they don't seem to have either they don't have the financial arm that the uh, you know Liverpool and Manchester United and Manchester City do, or they have it and they're just reluctant to spend it. Um, both of which I think is you know, not great for Arsenal fans, but I think it's even worse to know that the money's there and the club aren't spending it. Yeah, it could, could be very frustrating for them. Um... I do think it's one of those where it'll probably take another year or two for them to really get back into the top four. But yeah. again, I think with the young players they have, you know, they might actually get away with not spending that much money. Yeah, yeah, you know, as like, like we were saying earlier in the show, if Martinelli can stay fit, you know, you've got him and Saka in attack as a pairing, more experienced names like Bamiang and Lacazette, and, you know, suddenly that becomes a really rather interesting attacking line. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, for all their issues, they are a really exciting team. Yeah, yeah, they're certainly playing a more expansive style of football. It's it's always nice to watch. Arsenal have always been a team that have been a good watch. Um, They've always played sort of creative, attractive football, but, you know, it's not without, it's not quite worked for the last couple of seasons. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, um, and now we'll move on to the other big Premier League game. This you've got uh, Chelsea versus Manchester United. I think that's this going to be a really tight one. Yeah, it will be obviously United having a really good season. Uh, Chelsea are improving under Tuchel, but you know having you know coming off that big Champions League game, it could be a lot of rotation for Chelsea, which I think might help United. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chelsea, you know, was never looking a lot better, um, but United are showing more and more of that old United, you know, that sort of ability to go out and grab a point where they're not playing particularly well. We saw that against West Brom. They didn't play well, but still came away with the point where last season they probably would have lost that game. Um, it, all, it certainly all comes through Fernandez, though, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, if there was ever a one-man team, then it's Manchester United. I mean, Bruno Fernandes is one of the best players in the world right now, and he's really carrying them forward. I think if he gets injured, then they're in big trouble. 
yeah, you know, it's going to be an interesting one. You know, a lot of players seem to be buoyed by his arrival at the club and what he does for the team. You know, Luke Shaw is starting to look like, well, not starting to look like, he's looking like the player we hoped he was going to be when he first broke onto the scene with Southampton. Um, so I think it's going to be a really interesting watch. Yeah, I agree. Um, you would hope that, from my point of view, you'd hope Chelsea win. Um, it's a get. Yeah, I, um, I can't make myself support United. I'm going to go one 0 Chelsea. I can't do it. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm going to come I, up with some convoluted, re- convoluted reason, um, which I'll think of at some other time. <laughs> okay. Um, for me, you know, I do think it's going to be a tight game. I think it might come down to, you know, which team rotates the squad the most. I think obviously United had a, an easier game in the Europa League than Chelsea did in the Champions League. Um, yeah. And thinking like that, I think I might actually go over a two-two draw or something like that. I think I think it'll be tight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not convinced we'll see that many goals. Um. Two twos and who they they're away Manchester United are home even to Sociedad they're already four 0 up on aggregate. So I think you may be right in terms of rotation. I think United are going to have more of their first team as fresh. They don't need to risk as many players for Sociedad. Yeah, yeah. When they've four technically got four away goals, you know, they could lose three nil and still win. Yeah, I think United are through almost. You know, it's take a calamity for them not to get through yeah um so yeah i can understand a draw but you know i i can't i can't make myself root for them (laughs) and i'll never will i never will hey at least you'll admit it yeah i'll happily admit it them and everton don't like everton either fair enough scum Anyway, uh, <laughs> let us know what you think of those predictions on Twitter. We'll be uh, ha- more than happy to talk with you on there. Until then, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.